0: Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The topic for this 15 is the subject, what is the goal of biblical prosperity? In earlier 15s, uh, we've talked about what biblical prosperity is. Uh, We've talked about some of the principles of biblical prosperity. Uh, We've redefined it from some of the extremes that tend to dominate our generation. But now, in in just these next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the goal. Of biblical prosperity, because I think that that is often missed, and that really is the core issue. Uh, in in Genesis chapter 12, round about verse 2, uh, God is speaking to Abraham, and he says something that ought to echo in our minds about all things, but certainly our material lives. And that is, he promises him that he'll be blessed. And maybe you, if you've read those passages, you remember that God. Tells him that his descendants will be as numerous as the sands on the seashore, etc. Uh, That's the kind of thing he's talking about. But promises that he'll be blessed in every way. And then he says, in essence, you'll be blessed so you can be a blessing. You'll be blessed so you can give to others. Uh, You'll be blessed so that you can, in turn, do marvelous things in the world. And this is, I believe, the core issue of biblical prosperity that god provides for people is not in question that god wants to take care of people that he promises prosperity that he teaches us principles of prosperity we've already seen this in other 15s and it's just obvious on nearly every page of the scripture i should say quickly that it's also obvious in the scripture that god hates the oppression of the poor he hates the arrogance of wealth uh, and and he hates of course laziness uh, and those who will not work with their hands or, or, or who are you know, just sluggards, as the Bible says. So all of that we've established. But I think that what would bring a lot of, uh, more than just balance, but, a, but righteous alignment to our biblical understanding, especially in this generation, of prosperity, is that we understand why God wants us to prosper. And in order to say that, uh, I need to, need to say that God has called the church, the people of God on earth, not just to be in buildings worshiping him and waiting for the second coming, but he has called the church to be a change agent in society, to take responsibility for what's going on in the world, uh, to send people out who are righteous disciples and who know how to impact every area of life. Now, this is often criticized. Um, because of some extremes within the church as dominion theology, and we want to take everything over. You know, i got to tell you, I don't see much of that in Scripture. I see an influencing role. I see uh, a role that's like leaven in bread that, you know, works through the whole loaf and, and changes it. I think we're needing to, we need to be changing society. We need to be bringing a greater orientation to God and greater care for the poor and, 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 uh, and things of that nature that you can imagine. But But I I, I don't think that our, I I think we've misunderstood perhaps that this is not a matter of taking dominion or taking control. It's a matter of shaping, influencing, winning hearts, winning lives, in a sense, building a better mousetrap. Uh, If we have stronger families, lower divorce rates, better kids, in the sense of them being good, solid, healthy kids, people will come and find out why. Uh, If we have great communities uh, and we care for the poor and the needy, and, and and we have uh oh who knows racial reconciliation multi-ethnic churches that were get along great while the society is fighting and killing over race issues people are going to beat a path to our door to find out why so the the beginning i think of understanding this broader role for our prosperity is that we understand a broader role for christians in the world uh, we're not just meant to be in retreat until jesus comes back we aren't just meant to stay within the four walls of the church in fact, and I've spoken of this at other times, the church is but one of the institutions in the kingdom. It's certainly the most important, um, but God has also called people to politics and art and, and, uh, and, and to work in the military and, and to work in media and business. And God wants us to, to learn how to do all of those in a way that blesses the world, that, 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 that honors people, that, that, that increases righteousness in the land. So biblical prosperity is not, in a sense, primarily about us. God wants to meet our needs. God wants to take care of us. God wants to certainly change in our lives the dynamics, both natural and spiritual, that lead to poverty, the addictions that are so draining. Some of the, some of the people who I've worked with uh, who have addictions spend unbelievable money on, on those addictions, thousands a day. Uh, for certain kinds of chemical addictions i mean you talk about it just at an economic level it's a disaster not to mention the moral and spiritual level and of course the physical level so what is it i'm trying to say we are the, the whole reason that god wants to bless us is certainly because he loves us and wants to take care of us but it's also because he wants us to be a blessing to others and what god is looking for is a people whom he can bless whom he can honor, whom he can give things to, who will then in turn use it righteously. This is one of the reasons that Jesus told so many parables about people doing the right thing with wealth. Um, So many parables about uh, people having a certain amount of money and using it for right purposes and giving it the right way, investing it the right way. He talked about how People who used worldly wealth wisely would have spiritual riches. I mean, this was the kind of thing that that he emphasized all the time. And the reason is that he wants to bless us, but he wants us to be a people who are using it for right reasons. I believe that we're meant to be addressing poverty. I believe that we're meant to be taking care of the immigrant. I believe that we're we're meant to be uh, taking care of those who are infirm or elderly. Uh, I'm glad, I'm proud of the fact that throughout the history of the church, church frequently built the hospitals, the schools, the mental institutions, the orphanages, certainly uh, were the first to do that. matter of fact, in the Roman Empire, um, as you may know, in the Roman days, in the ancient Roman world, a father could receive a newborn child, simply give the signal of the thumbs down, uh, under the law of paterfamilias it was called, and that child would be left out exposed to die if the father didn't want it. You know what the Christians went out and took those children in the Christians took care of the mentally infirm and the retarded and and, and the sick the Christians did these things and so that was at a time when the church was first being born and the Christians understood they had a role in response uh, in society well I'd like to see a day in which we are no longer criticized because we are hoarding wealth but because we're giving it away because we're ministering to other people and that's really what God intended God instituted the material side of his covenant with us so that he would display his love to us, confirm his covenant of love, and then so that we would understand that he wanted us to bless other people. And this is such an important part of who God is and how he works that God actually chooses. God actually, when he's going to do something, he, he, he looks in the earth for, many times for those who are radically generous before he acts. One of my favorite passages uh, is in Acts chapter 10, where God wants to pour out his Spirit on the Gentiles in the same way that he's poured them out on the Jews, uh, on the Jewish believers in Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out on Jewish believers, but then later, after the church has begun to minister to the Gentiles, God wants to pour out his Spirit for the first time on the Gentiles. Well, who who does he look for to do that? He goes to a man named Cornelius who's a military officer. And he has one of his angels say to this man, your gifts and offerings to the poor have come up before the Lord as a memorial offering. And what results from that is that God decides to pour out the spirit Spirit there in Cornelius' home. Now, the point is that when God decided that he wanted to pour out his spirit, when he decided that he wanted to do something special, he was moved to use a man and to honor a man who had been giving gifts to the poor. Your gifts to the poor have come up before the Lord as a memorial offering. In other words, the Lord remembers you. The Lord is going to use you because you have been faithful in giving to him. Do you understand the attitude? Do you understand the core attitude? Uh, We want to see your needs met. We want to see you walking in the blessing of Jesus. We want to see you walking Uh, in, in prosperity as the Bible defines it which is all your needs met but we want to emphasize the second part of that equation which is that you have abundance to give to others and those of you who are gifted in business and finance and investing bear in mind that you don't just have that gift so you can accumulate wealth in an abundance of houses and boats and cars for yourself have those things as you need them but that gift may also be about investments and strategies and funds so that you can take care of the poor Uh, Some of you who have other kinds of gifts, technological or artistic. It may also be about the poor. It may be about the needy. It may be about what you can earn or raise or the way you can even use your art to raise consciousness, as they say today, about the needy and the poor. The Bible speaks of of, of defending the poor and doing justice and, and speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. All of this is what Christians are responsible for. And uh, I'm a little saddened that some of our Christian leaders have become identified uh, by the planes that they own, for the luxurious jets they own for their personal transportation. You've got to have that, have it. I'm not not critical of that in general. But I'd much rather uh, that the Christian organizations I'm involved in be known for the fleet of planes they have for doing relief work around the world, um, for carrying people in persecuted areas out, uh, for helping those uh, in in flood-ravaged areas or something like that. That's what God wants to accomplish. And that was the mentality of the church uh, in earlier generations, that we care for the needs of society, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a second theme uh, that I want to emphasize that's, a, that's a amazingly important, and, and that is that one of the reasons that we are blessed in any generation uh, is so that we can take care of the next generation. And it's, it's very, very important that we keep this in mind because biblical prosperity is not just measured in terms of the generation where the prosperity is owned. It's measured also in terms of the good that it does for the next generation. There was an Old Testament king named Hezekiah, and uh, he had done something he shouldn't have done. And uh, the prophet went to him and said, you know, you're going to be cursed. Everything that you have in your house, everything that you've received from your fathers is going to be destroyed. And your children are going to be carried off uh, into be slaves for foreign kings. And the Bible tells us what Hezekiah thought at that moment. Uh, It says that he said to the prophet, what you've said is good. And then it says he thought, because I will have peace and prosperity in my lifetime. So here, everything this man's responsible for, even his children, are going to be all destroyed or carried off to be slaves and what is he thinking? Well, oh, it's okay. In my lifetime, I'll have peace and prosperity. Well, that is the opposite of biblical thinking. Biblical thinking, biblical prosperity, and the mentality of one who prospers biblically is that we take care of the next generation. That doesn't just mean colleges and scholarship funds and saving for our kids' college. It's all part of that I understand and that's wonderful. But but how about that we are uh, investing in the good of the next generation, how about we are investing in the training of the next generation? How about we're fulfilling Psalm 127, which says that a, a righteous man is like a warrior whose, whose sons are like arrows in his hand sent forth to engage the enemies in the next generation. We have to have a generational vision. and Quite frankly, uh, the, the Jewish people have taught us a great deal about generational wealth because they think in terms of generations. They think in terms of building wealth and saving for for their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And it's a a great guide to us because that is what God intended. God frequently says in the scriptures that when a man is truly blessed, his great-grandchildren will receive not only a spiritual heritage, uh, but also part of that material legacy. So that mentality is part of what God wants to honor. Uh, In the same way that there's no success without a successor, Uh, There's no real wealth without a positive impact on the next generation And that's something that we need to know as we think about why God decided to work into his covenants of love with us And for us the idea of prosperity to begin with Uh, and, And then I think it's very very important that we understand that we are prospered in order to fund God's will in the earth that a lot of what God intends is that we will have the funds that we need, that we will have this abundance so that we can fund the gospel, fund the work of the ministry, fund the taking of the gospel into the world. One of the saddest things that I've had the unfortunate experience of studying in history and church history, especially recent history, uh, is, is how ministries have to go begging and how ministries in strategic parts of the world where they're doing great work can't, can't get enough, enough just donations, you know, to, to do the job. They've got to live beggarly lives almost, and, 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 they're, and they're left exposed in hostile parts of the world for, for lack of a little bit of money. Um, I, I believe that we are blessed in the West, particularly, especially in the United States, uh, because at least in our history, we have been about funding good things in the world, uh, even politically, even the Marshall Plan and things like this after World War II, but particularly when it comes to funding the gospel. And I think that that's why God blesses us, not just so that we can have uh, nice things, although may you have all the nice things that God intends for you, but so that we can fund the gospel in the world, and, and, and through our tithing, and through our giving, and through our generosity, we can make a difference. So our hope for you from the Scriptures is that you will prosper. Our hope for you is that you'll walk in the covenants of God, you'll understand what the Bible says, you'll put principles of investment and prosperity into motion, you'll avoid the laziness and the addictions and the sinful bondages that drain away finances, but also our hope is that you will understand why God is prospering you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. He wants you to be radically generous. So the same love you've been shown, you show to others, And so that the Church of Jesus Christ can make meaningful change in the world. I believe that we should take responsibility uh, in partnership with government, obviously, but for poverty, for the sick, for the infirm, for the unwell. We should be taking responsibility for those things because we are the loving arm of Jesus in the world. And it takes money, but God will provide it if we'll have the character to use it in the right way. And that is your 15.